Hello, welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. I am so excited and honored to introduce our guest to you. I feel like Johnny Carson when he used to say, our next guest needs no introduction, but I will go ahead and introduce her, even though I know you guys already know and love her. Dr. Judith Orloff is the author of The Empath Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People. She's a well-known and loved psychiatrist, empath, and intuitive healer. She synthesizes the pearls of traditional medicine with cutting-edge knowledge of intuition, energy, and spirituality. Dr. Orloff also specializes in treating empaths in her private practice. She passionately believes the future of medicine involves integrating all this wisdom to achieve total wellness. Her work has been featured on the Today Show, CNN, The Oprah Magazine, and USA Today. And Dr. Orloff has spoken at Google LA and has a popular TEDx talk with over a half a million views. She's a New York Times best-selling author of Emotional Freedom, Positive Energy, Guide to Intuitive Healing, The Power of Surrender, and Second Sight. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our show, Dr. Orloff. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. I wanted to start off, I loved your book, Second Sight. That's how I first discovered you. In Emotional Freedom, you get a lot into more of your childhood and growing up as an empath, and you talk about you come from such an illustrious family of doctors who are, in my mind, when I think of doctors, I think of left brain thinkers and not necessarily empaths. And I wonder if you could just start off by telling people what it was like growing up as an intuitive empath and a family of doctors and medical people and, you know, intellectual go-getters. How, how difficult was that for you? Yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting because I was an only child and um, I was an intuitive child. I was an empath. I could sense energy around me and I would absorb it into my own body and not know at all what was going on. Um, I would have dreams that would come true. So I was a dream empath, like I talk about in the empath survival guide. It's one type of empath. And I was quiet. And I, I really took a lot of solace in nature. The moon was my friend, the trees. I loved the stars. And my parents were both physicians in Beverly Hills. My mother was a, a family practitioner. My father was a radiologist. And they were very loving people, but they did not support me at all with my intuitive empathy. In fact, they told me to never mention my dreams or my empathic intuitions at home again when I was about you know, 10 years old. So I grew up believing there was something wrong with me. And you know that, that the gifts, the empathic gifts that we all have that can be developed by parents. Parents can be so amazing in helping us develop our gifts. You know, I didn't have that support. And so I felt all alone. And when I was a teenager, I got very heavily involved with drugs to try and squash my intuitions and empathic abilities, which is not what I advise for anybody, but just to know that, you know, a lot of people who do get involved with drugs or overeat or you know, get involved with any addiction, you know, can be empaths who are self-medicating. And so there are other ways to deal with your empathic feelings other than addictions. But in any case, this was a long time ago. So I got involved with drugs and, um, you know, I came out of it and I, my parents went 
maybe see a psychiatrist who said, the only way you're going to be healthy and whole is to embrace your intuition and your empathic abilities. So that's when things began to turn around for me. What a gift that person was for you. Oh my God. He was, you know, so amazing. You know, sometimes we have these guys that come in our lives at various times when we're in need. And he was one. And, um, you know, he was really, you know, a, a guide and a savior of mine because he saw me with a capital S and he was able mm. to see my gifts and see what my shortcomings were and my fears to help me. And that is so, so incredibly important, not only for you, for me, for Samantha, for all the people who are listening, but also this, this group of young people that are on the planet right now, they need to be validated that intuition and empathy and compassion are okay because we have so many people, it seems, and Samantha and I have talked about this a lot, so many people are, are waking up and, and embracing that they're empaths, but also with that, there's an incredibly strong link to uh, the intuitive empathic skills. And could you maybe give a few ways that folks could embrace this sensitivity and and just accept it as a normal part of who they are? Well, I mean, I feel so strongly about it. You know, I, I wrote the Empath Survival Guide because I, I truly believe that empaths and people with empathy will save the world. I really do. I feel like that is the missing piece to this chaos that we're experiencing in the world. We have to get out of our heads and into our hearts and be able to empathize with other people, even if we don't like them, even if we disagree with them, to search our hearts to try and understand our, our human family. And empathy can help us do that. If we don't have empathy, if we can't feel, or we don't have the desire to feel what other people are feeling, um, not take it on. I mean, I want to make that clear. I'm, you know, the Empath Survival Guide is all about learning strategies not to take other people's stuff on. So you don't want to do that. But you do want to know what they're feeling because then at least you have a, a, an idea of how to reach them as opposed to just getting your ego involved and separating yourself and say, oh, this one is different and this one is bad and this one is that. You don't want to, that's the mind. You want to get into your heart and feel what's motivating people. And what's so beautiful about that is that it will free you. And so everyone out there thinks you're crazy because you, you have these empathic gifts. I want to just dispel that. You are not crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, your empathy is a beautiful gift, and I encourage you to develop it to improve the quality of your own life and also, you know, to help change the vibration of the world. You know, that's, we all can do that one by one. So that, that's very, very important to me. Thank you very much. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I do too. And I often look at people who are 40 and older who are intuitive empaths tend to be born into families like yours. I know Denise and I shared similar experiences where our parents would say, oh, it's just your imagination or you, you're too sensitive. But a lot of my clients who are in their 30s and are having children now who are intuitive empaths themselves tend to be giving birth to children who are highly sensitive. Yeah. And that's giving me a lot of hope because these lovely intuitive empaths who are becoming parents are knowing how to nurture and help awaken and strengthen their children's gifts and abilities. Do you see that as a pattern as well? 
I do. And you know how powerful that is when that happens? Because that means that an empath, when an empath is born, that empath will get the nurturing that he or she deserves. And she'll grow, he or she will grow into an enormously powerful and loving person. And the more we have that, you know, the better things we'll get. So I feel strongly about teaching parents um, how to raise empathic children. There's empathic parents because it's overwhelming. Having children is a big challenge for a lot of empaths um, because there's so much um, sensory overload going on. And how do you ground yourself? You know, how do you meditate? How do you protect your energy you know, around these beautiful little beings who are draining you? You know, so it, it's it's a skill set to learn. But it's all worth it, and it's all in service to love and empathy. And these little beings who grow up will go and have happy families or, or happy lives and go and do good in the world. So that's how we get the big wave of change happening is through educating parents and raising and having children. I agree. Well, I just have to say thank you. Out of your book, The Empath Survival Guide, the part of that book that touched my soul was your description of what it's like for empaths to be in relationships. And for the first time in my life, I sat there with tears running down my face and said, oh my God, she understands what this is like. So first and foremost, thank you. The second thing is what comes up over and over and over, and we've been given these messages that we may not know how to be in relationships or that we don't know how to do it the right way because we can't fit into that mold. If you have any strategies for empaths who might be in relationships now, but they have partners who don't understand their needs, they don't want to leave the relationship or they, they are not in a place where they're able to do that, but they need something to help their partner understand how important those basic needs are for us as empaths in relationships. Right. Yeah, I've worked in my private practice. I've worked with a lot of couples in that position. So if you're in that position, do not dismay. You know, it, it can be worked out a lot of different times. And so, you know, basically the, what I write about in the book and the struggles that I've gone through my entire life, that's why I was single for so long. I would be in relationships for long distance usually for a few years and then single for a really long time and then another one for a couple years and then single and or attracting unavailable people you know that's another pattern that empaths have and then I had um is that you need to the struggle I had was I wanted love really badly and I wanted to be alone really badly and I didn't know how to reconcile those two things and that's huge. Now, how do you do that? Because it seems like one is the exact opposite of the other. And so with my current partner, who I've been with for five years, over five years, which is a record for me, because I usually don't stay in relationships a long time because I get overwhelmed and then I bolt, is to express my authentic needs um, when I need to. Or if I'm on sensory overload, I can't just pretend I'm not. I have to be able to share that and take steps to take care of myself. And I have a lot of very specific empathic needs. Like I need to sleep alone a lot of the time because if I'm, I'm living with this person, which is a huge shift for me, you know, to actually live with someone in my space because my space is my sanctuary, you know, 
And so to be able to say, I need to sleep alone tonight, you know, and I need, you know, I have to express my needs. I can't pretend I don't have them. Because I used to think the needs were not okay. You know, that somehow I was going to sabotage the relationship if I express my needs. And you, you can't have a relationship as an empath without expressing your needs. But the way you do it is key. You see, you have to enlist your beloved as your champion, as your partner, not as the enemy. You know, you have to say, you know, I'm learning about myself as an empath. Um, and they might go, oh, empath, what is that? You go, oh, I'm sorry. You know, whatever. You know, don't take it too seriously. Because you just have to slowly educate people. Um, and you say, oh, I'm so excited to share it with you. So I just learned this about myself. And I really need your, your help in understanding and, and supporting my needs. You know, you are my biggest champion. So you have to make them your friend and your champion as opposed to you're the insensitive one who hasn't understood me all those past 20 years. You know, you don't want to approach it that way. No. You know, so you, you've got to do it, you know, and a lot of people feel um, like they've done something wrong if you say you don't want to sleep with them tonight. That's just one example, sleeping. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you have to tell them, no, that's not the case. And maybe snuggle with them before sleep and then just go off into your own bed and then, you know, hug them in the morning. But make them feel loved. When your partner feels loved, they're more apt to understand. And for those who just can't understand, you know, some can just agree to disagree and accept. You know, as long as they can accept you you know, as you are and respect that, that's okay too. You know, they don't have to turn into this warm, fuzzy empath themselves. They're not. You know, my partner is not an empath at all. He does not absorb any energy. You know, he doesn't, you know, that, which I love. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I couldn't take it if I was with an empath. It would be too much for me because I have so much going on in my own being, you know, but I love it that he's grounded. You know, I love it that he's not, you know, that he's so... He loves nature and he, you know, is a wilderness person and loves going out in the wilderness with the trees and, the, you know, all the ancient primal energies of nature. It's very beautiful to me. But in any case, you befriend your partner as you educate them and give them the book and read them, you know, a few sentences out of it. You know, just make them part of your process as, a, as opposed to the enemy, which I've seen empaths do because they're so angry that their needs haven't been um, respected all these years. So they're angry and that's not the right way to approach it. Oh, thank you. Sounds like the key to that is, is for the empath to accept him or herself and to own the fact that they are an empath first. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, as, a, as a, a really positive thing, this will help me love you more. This will help me deepen your, my love for you and, and be able to meet your needs in a much better way. So if you help to make it about them too, that, that helps. It's a communication skill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're not being saccharine or Pollyannish or just trying to make nice, which sometimes empaths do. Um, you just want to communicate and it's a very tender subject, especially if you've been with someone a while and they're not used to you being that way or identifying that way. So it takes some change on their part. You know, give them time. 
Well, and for everyone listening, Dr. Orloff has a nine-lesson video course on her website, drjudithorloff.com, and you can download those, watch them at, at your leisure, and that would be a great thing to watch with your partner to say, look, this is who I am. This is, this is how I work. This is how I interact with the world. Yeah, especially the um, episode on empaths and love. You know, if you just want to go specifically to that lesson, you two can watch it together and then talk about it. And maybe he or she won't understand or they have questions. You know, let them be who they are and really try and help them along with this and assure them that you will be able to love them even better with this information. It's very empowering for both partners when you come at it from that direction. Oh, yeah. Very, very empowering. It's the rare case where I've seen someone just go, you're crazy. You're making this up. I don't want to be with you. I, in fact, I've never seen that. I've never seen that happen. When I well, that's that's very hopeful then. Yeah, it, it, it is <laughs> hopeful, but you have to honor the needs of your mate and not make them wrong. The biggest mistake that empaths make is to, you know, communicate that being an empath is good and being a non-empath is not good. You don't want to do that. That will alienate them. You want to honor their nature, whatever it is, and make them, you know, just as important as you are, just as special, just as amazing as you are. That will help a lot. Beautiful. Thank you. Go ahead, Denise. You, you had a good question about um, the, the empathic proximity I wanted oh, you to ask. Oh, yes. Um, do you see emotional contagion that you described in your book, The Empath Survival Guide, and empathic proximity as the same issue for empaths? We've had a lot of folks, and, and Samantha and I both work as um, psychic mediums. We do distance work and in person. And we were trying to explain that, yes, you can pick up on other people's emotions and feelings from a distance just as well. But when I read about the emotional contagion in your book, it's a really fascinating topic to me. Yeah, and it's hit mainstream. I mean, I was interviewed by Forbes about emotional contagion. So these are, if ever you want to communicate with people in the mainstream, use those words. They'll be able to get that because there's documented science behind it. But basically, it's what, you know, metaphysicians and empaths have known for centuries. You can, emotions can spread, emotions are energy, and empaths are particularly sensitive to them, so they can pick it up. It's when you're, you know, in a hospital ward and one baby starts crying, then all the babies start crying. You know, or you're in an office environment and, you know, a coworker comes in, oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose my job, you know, and that fear spreads through the office, you know, just like a virus, you know, but there's always also positive emotional contagion where somebody could come in and go, this is an amazing day. We're going to be so productive as a team. Yay. And then that will spread, you know, through the environment. So you can spread, you're a, a disseminator of energy. You radiate energy, your attitude, your um, the way you approach things affects other people. So you can feel someone's energy is right beside you because we have these energy fields that extend beyond our body, you know, many feet. And so empaths can feel that. Just because it's invisible to the naked eye doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You just have to be sensitive to what it is exactly it is you do feel. And, you know, one exercise I have in the course is where you can 
you know, just pick five people in one day, notice how you feel before you meet them, have your interaction, and then after you meet them to see if your mood changed, to see if your energy changed, you know, to see if maybe you've taken on emotions from them that are not your own. So you have to train yourself to be aware to ask that question and just notice the energetic or an emotional changes after an interaction. Perfect. Such an important tip because so many empaths tend to blame themselves and take yeah. it all on themselves. And then that results in passive aggressive anger. So that's such a great tip. You know, I always see empaths as little sponges going throughout their day. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And they just kind of absorb everything coming at them. Absolutely. Can you tell us, how do you go throughout your day to prevent that? What are some daily rituals that you do? Um, well, I'm a daily meditator. So I have a, a sacred space where I meditate. And I sit, breathe, put my hand on my heart and center myself and connect to the loving heart energy every day. And so that centers you. When you're able to meditate, you can center all the chaotic energy that might be around you and just come back to your heart again. And so daily meditation is one skill that I highly recommend. And to create a sacred space where you can meditate where no one will bother you, um, which is a wonderful thing. And then also I'm a big believer in journaling. You know, I'm in, at this moment creating an empath journal with specific prompts for empaths who can journal about their experience and then go out and, you know, let's say go experience something and then write about it so that that can bring maybe what's less defined into a very defined, understandable point of view for yourself so you can journal about your various experiences and then learning how to set clear boundaries is key learning that no is a complete sentence you know if you don't feel like going out tonight and you've already made a plan you have to be prepared you know at those times when it's not a huge event it's not hugely important to disappoint people you know empaths that's so hard for empaths to ever have to make anybody else unhappy, you know, or disappoint them. You have to be able to say, you know, I'm very tired tonight. I want to just stay home and take care of myself, you know, as opposed to going to a party or a movie. So you've got to practice that. Those are great tips. So if, if you had to choose one, it's a very challenging time to be on the planet. And yeah. I agree with you 100% as we as individuals raise our vibration it helps to counteract the density and the fear base that's quite prevalent, well, here in the States nationally, but also globally. What, what do you see as the number one challenge empaths face right now? Um, you have to realize that the earth is a place of suffering and it's also a place of joy. And there's tremendous suffering being communicated on the news and throughout the world. And I know it's hard but you have to realize it's not your job to take on the suffering of the world. You know, people have to work this out themselves. You can hold the energy. You can do your own personal work. You can help the people around you. But if you watch the news too much, that's going to be very draining for you because the suffering is enormous. It's enormous, but you don't want to focus on that. You want to focus on your own development, and doing what you can to help 
in your own sphere. You know, it's important to stay in your own lane. You know, every human being has their own lane in life where they, you know, need to stay there and work with themselves. And you could hold energy for the world in your meditation by just sending heart out, heart energy out. You have no idea how far it goes. Don't ever think that's insignificant. That's why my meditation practice is a Taoist heart-centered practice that I talk about in the book, where you connect to your heart and it radiates and it goes out infinitely. And it does more good than you'll ever know. But don't watch the news too much. You know, set limits for it. You know, go out in nature a lot and pass love nature. You know, go out, look at the sky, look at the planets. You know, I saw the eclipse the other night, the full eclipse. Oh, my God. It was so mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was amazing. Wasn't it? You know, I often will say that to people. I'll say, I think it's important to read the news now and then again and be connected and informed so that you can be an educated voter. But do you really need to know that there was a five-car pile up in Michigan? Right. I mean, sometimes if you look at the news, it's not even really news. It's just horror stories. Right. And so I think it's important to filter that out. Right. And I also, I'll go to books like, I don't know if you guys have read Better Angels of Our Nature, where he writes about we are living in the most peaceful time on the history of this planet. And he proves it with all his his research and statistics and stuff like that is very comforting because if you do watch the news too much, you can get caught up in the hype that, you know, we're like the, you know, that the world is falling. What's that? Henny? What's that story? Thank you. You run around like Henny Penny, which isn't going to help anyone. So I think it's important for empaths to to filter that out and think, you know, what, because everything that we encounter in our day is informing that energy that we do send out through our heart space. And I think in in the power of the heart. Yes. And I think just, you know, everyone should have a sacred space. Like you were saying, I used to talk on my other podcast when, when my three kids were really, really little there was no sacred space for me to have in my home. And so I created one in my closet. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, do it and that's where I went. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it's important to have a sacred space, no matter where you're living or what season of life you're in, but also to have a sacred space in your heart center, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. because that's what's going to share the light so, 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 so well. Mm-hmm. So... If anyone listening to this is like, well, I want to learn more about an empath and if I'm an empath, what book should they start with first of yours? I started with Second Sight and then went from there. I love that book. Um, But I learned so much from Emotional Freedom as well. But what would you recommend for someone who's new to this? Which of your books would you start with? I would start with the empath survival guide so you can learn about being an empath and what strategies you can learn to stop absorbing the energy of the world. You know, there's some very basic, you know, keys in there. And then, you know, I would go on to Second Sight. If you have an interest in intuition, Second Sight will, it was my personal story, how I came into my intuition, the struggles, I had uh, the triumphs and then how I use it as a psychiatrist in my, in my work. Um, so if I think that will touch you very personally, it's a very personal story. 
Um, and then I would go on to um, emotional freedom. You know, emotional freedom, if you want to learn how to deal with the different emotions that you experience, from fear to compassion to depression to frustration, without getting thrown off by them, emotional freedom will give you the tools to do all that. All, all my books are actually part of the Empath Toolkit, as is the online course. And um, I also invite people to, you know, my workshops, if you can come. I'm giving one, you know, next month at... Uh, 1440 Multiversity in Santa Cruz for, on, for empaths who are in the healing professions and how not to get burnout and how to help your clients and how to heal, how to use energy to heal. What are the techniques? So you can check all this out on my website, drjudithorla.com. And that's March 8th to the 10th. And then in April, you, can you tell people about your weekend retreat in the mountains of North Carolina? Oh, yes. It's at the Art of Living Retreat Center in Boone, North Carolina. And this is for the general public on how to ignite your empathy and intuition in the world. You know, with all kinds of protection strategies, uh, centering strategies, and exercises on how to be an empowered empath in the world. And so that, I believe, is April, is it April 16th to 18th? 12th, it's 12th to the 14th. 12th to the 14th. So you can check that out on my website, too. And yes, also, and we'll I, post course, all the links as well. Yeah, of course, I have my Esalen workshop every year in July in Big Sur, California, my favorite place in the world. So that's on my website, too. Well, I just have one last question for you, if you don't mind. You have worked as, as a psychiatrist, as a writer, as an empath. I mean, your list of accomplishments, Dr. Orloff, is pretty darn amazing. What aspect of your career are you most proud of? Um, I'm kind of proud of all of it. I really am. But the kind... You should I think, be. I, I know. I'm so <laughs> blessed. I'm so blessed. Um, but I think... Probably, I don't know, it's hard. Maybe my work with patients, you know, because I find one-to-one -one work with patients very powerful and I do that in a limited way. Um, but then again, my writing, because I spent so much of my, you know, adult life writing, you know, alone in a room writing. So writing is my career. I'm so, I'm very, very creative. And so I'm constantly tapping into that and that gives me incredible joy. And I encourage all the empaths out there to tap into your own creativity. So it's kind of hard to say. I feel good about myself and what I've contributed. Well, as I was saying before, you really should be. And what I really respect about you as well is so many times when people reach the heights that you've reached with your career, they tend to just focus on the writing. But you... You, are, you still have private practice. You give all these retreats and workshops. You're still engaging and interacting with the public in a one-on-one -on -one and in a you know, larger perspective in so many ways, which I think is really wonderful. Your work teaches empaths how to experience balance because even though you still go out into the world and you encounter large groups of people and you teach and you have your practice, you still balance it with the writing and the creative piece. So your, your life is an example for empaths as well as your writing. 
I, yeah, I think so. But it's also, I want to say, an ongoing process of balancing every day. It's not like I have some formula down. It's like every day I have to tune into myself and say, all right, how is my energy today? You know, what would work for me today? And to begin to modify that day and my plans uh, according to how I feel. And so being an empath, you know, and I love to be a model for people. That's why I love to give workshops, especially if I give intuitive readings so people can watch me and ask me questions and learn how to develop their own techniques. No, but I can model certain things. That is one of my gifts. And people can watch me do it and then ask questions. That's very, very useful as opposed to just talking about it. You know, very useful to see somebody do something. And so, um, you know, it's just all, it's all important, but every day is different. You know, as an empath, it's not like you get a formula and you could just fit it into a box. It's every day you have to tune into yourself and say, what feels right for me and how can I modify my day or my life to accommodate that? So it's See, that's what I think yeah. just learning that you're an empath is, is emotionally freeing in and of itself. Oh, I remember when I was, yeah, when I was teaching at the, at our local college, I would drive into work and I would look at that college and I would think, Samantha, you are stuck here for the next, the next eight hours. And it would make me feel so trapped. And when I learned that that flexibility and that need for freedom was just part of being an empath, I didn't feel trapped in that job anymore because then I knew, okay, well, you just need to find freedom within these eight hours. So maybe in your third period class, you guys can go outside and do the discussion there. Right. Or maybe instead of staying in your office for your office hour, you can go next door and have lunch. And so I learned to accommodate once I discovered thanks in large part to your work, what it really meant to be an empath and how I can work with it. And you're right. It changes day to day. Yeah, but that's what's so exciting. The same is true of creativity. You know, some days you're really flowing. The other days, not much is happening. But, you, you know, you learn to tune in moment to moment. That's what's so exciting about being an empath. You know, it's really knowing your life force, really knowing who you are and how to follow it and being your own best advocate, you know, as an empath. And coming into your own as an empath, being an empowered empath. You know, I also have a Facebook group, um, if people want to join, it's called Dr. Judith Orlov's Empath Support Community, where, you know, over 13,000 empaths are discussing their experiences and getting support. As what I found is that if we don't have support and if we're alone, it's not a, a very positive journey. We have to have support from other empaths. I love that. That's been the premise of why we started this podcast was to bring together like-minded people so that if someone is in an isolated area or, or doesn't have a support group, they would be able to tune in and say, wow, I'm okay. Other people feel this way as well. Right. And, and I think that is incredibly, incredibly vital, not only for us as individuals, but also as a, a growing community of people that I, I agree with you, we're going to change this. We're going to shift the dynamics into a more positive outlook. Oh, yeah. And, and just all the empaths out there listening, you are not alone. Right. You know, we are with you. Really, there's so many of us. Really, they're just everywhere I go, more and more people are awakening as empaths. And it's a beautiful sight. And very needed right now. <laughs> Indeed. 
It really is needed. And that's why we're so happy that you were able to be on our show today. We thank you so, so much. We recommend that everybody check out drjudithorloff.com. I will link it up on Facebook. Please check out her newest work, The Empath Survival Guide. She also has a wonderful Oracle deck card. I guess we wouldn't call it an Oracle deck. What would we call it? it well, it, it works as an Oracle deck, the, the Power Surrender cards, which are lovely. Oh, thank yeah, you. They really fun designing them. They're very powerful. And, and we had actually drawn a card on a previous show. And I had said, you know, working a lot with, with divination, these are, this is a deck that you can connect with very, very quickly. It, it will resonate and vibe with your energy very, very quickly. So yeah. thank you. It's a great well, tool. Yeah. It really is. And there's tons of great resources on your website as well. Um, it, we mentioned the nine lesson video course and also there's more descriptions of your upcoming events and lots of other great things people can check out. So please go to Dr. Judith, Judith Orloff's website. And we thank you so much for coming on our show. It's been such an honor. Oh, you're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Tune in next week. Don't forget to always show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.